0: So, 1,100 men went into the water, 316 men come out, the gutters took the rest. Hey everybody, what's up? Kevin Goatee here, back for another episode of Gutting the Sacred Cow. Who's on this week's episode? This guy. And you know what I go after this week? The Princess Bride. Boy, I hate that film, that is terrible. Before we get to it, Do not forget, guttingthesacredcow.com is where you find all that sweet-ass merch we have. Hats, mugs, t-shirts, whatever, we've got it. Don't forget, want to advertise, guttingthesacredcow at gmail.com. And if you have not yet done so, please, five-star rating, two or three-sentence review on whatever podcast platform of choice you catch us on. And hey, why not subscribe to us on YouTube? That would really, really help, pretty please. Without any further ado, here's me. Going after the Princess Bride.
1: Gather round is what I know. and welcome to another episode of Gutting the Sacred Cow. The voice you're hearing is more masculine this week because it is <laughs> Kevin Israel taking the lead. This is the second or first episode. I don't know which order these are going to be coming out in. Uh, Kev, do we know which order these are going to be coming out in? Nope. Okay. <laughs> this is either the first or second episode <laughs> where your two hosts sit in the gutter seat as we decided to take on some movies of our own like we did last year. Except this year, I took on 300 And Kevin Goatee is sitting anxious. He's sweating. He's so furious about this movie. He picked a movie that is going to make you as furious as he is because he picked the 1980s fantasy classic, The Princess Bride. But we also have joining us our friend, the lovely, the talented, the intelligent Joanne Nosichinsky from The Morning Show. How are you, Joanne?
2: Bye! (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh <Bo! Bo! laughs> wow that?
0: she's on she for, huh? she, for Bo Jackson but Bo retired <laughs> quite many years ago Joe.
2: I was I was quoting the movie
1: I uh, know <laughs> I like it I like it Thank I like you. the I like the passion that you're bringing
2: you know I am so good I uh am happy to do this I've you know I think I've perfected the gutting. So now I'm excited wow. to be sitting on the other side of this.
0: You are the only one with multiple appearances that is undefeated that I can recall, right? Kevin, did she miss one? Or the Karate Kid was the one she missed, but
1: that was a joint. Yeah,
2: I, I blame Bill up for that one. <laughs> That's
1: fair. We'll give you that. Half, we'll half you a that. half loss. So let's talk Princess Bride. 1987, budget of $16 million with a box office haul of $30.9 million. That translates to modern money of 2021, $37.7 million with a gross of $72.8 million. Not so hot, if you ask me. Mm -hmm. Guessing Kev's going to touch on that. But as always, we like to see if our guests can, uh, can, can prognosticate a little bit and figure out what the scores are. So... IMDb, is, as you know, is a score of 1 to 10 with decimal points. Kevin Goatee, what did The Princess Bride get on the IMDb score?
0: People are dumb, as I've said before, and we've said before. People like this film. This overall did well, and without even looking, I'm going to give it a 7.2.
1: Joanne?
2: I'm going to go slightly higher to 7.8. Ooh.
1: Well, Joanne, you are slightly closer because it was an 8.1.
2: Ah! Rotten
1: Tomatoes is a score of 100%. Kevin Goatee, what did the critics give The Princess Bride? Critics are nerds. We know this.
0: Critics, nerds love this film. Therefore, this is, this is like the quadratic equations that we all learned in algebra class but completely forgot as adults. Critics love this film. 94%. Joanne,
1: what do you think?
2: I think that's a little high. I would say like eighty-nine.
1: Well, I just lost the notes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
2: It
1: it is. It was not so high because it was ninety-eight percent. Oh, insanity! (laughs) That's bananas. I have zero. I have zero and less faith in humanity. The more you speak and get these numbers. That's like saying the Princess Bride is basically like Shawshank Redemption. That's like, it wasn't the don't. The Dark Knight was 94 and 94. Do you mean to tell me the
0: Dark Knight is not as good as the Princess Bride? You all should set fire to yourselves
1: post-haste. I love that you are already frothing your mouth over this. Moving along. What did the audience give... Princess Bride on Rotten Tomatoes. Joanne, you go first.
2: Audience on Rotten
1: Tomatoes, uh, 79. No fucking
0: way. People people love this. People lost their fucking shit when we announced that this is the film I chose. They were way more angry with me than Kevin Israel's 300 selection by a landslide. People love this. ninety. 97.
1: So close. 94%. Oh, oh wow. yeah. 98 and 94 on Rotten Tomatoes. This must be a perfect movie. <laughs> Perfectly retarded. Mm-hmm. Quotes. I am going to go with not all the most common quotes and one that I actually use in my daily life. I do not think it means what you think it means. Joanne, you got any quotes?
2: Yeah, um, did did one right out of the gate. Uh, I I feel like I've seen this one on a meme recently because of the pandemic.
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh, she said the pandemic fuck it all up for everybody.
2: <laughs> No, it's just, you know, when things come in popularity because of, like, something shitty, and we're all supposed to love it, and it's like, everyone's unoriginal, and like this meme. Anyways, it's, why are you wearing a mask? They're terribly comfortable. I think everyone will be wearing them in the future.
1: Yeah, that they become a meme. Oh,
2: foreshadowing. Because of actually, the
1: pandemic.
2: My favorite quote is, I always think everything could be a trap. Which is why I'm still alive. And (laughs) I live my life that way. I think it's why I'm still alive.
0: In fear? Yes. After a lot of traps to do?
2: Preparation. You know, I always walk on the side of the street that has cameras. I always look around me when I'm standing on a subway platform. If someone's passing me, I make sure I'm right behind one of those little pillars. Um, It's a lot of work, but you're...
0: Did you see, speaking of the pillars, that there is some woman who takes a bike lock and chain and chains herself to the pillars until the train
2: comes? No. Yes.
0: No. That's exhausting. It was in the post. It was on TikTok. They they talked about it. She chains herself to the pillars because she does not want to get pushed in front of an oncoming train.
2: But you're holding a chain and a lock. If someone comes too close to you, you could swing that thing.
0: Right. You can, but if you miss, you get caught in the
1: backswing and you're fucked.
2: You know what? You're right. I was Thank not you. well prepared. Thanks Thank for that.
1: <laughs> Joanne is now going to be carrying around a chain and lock with her. <laughs>
0: Joanne's yeah. going spray- to paint her face like the fucking Warriors and have a bike chain and lock <laughs> swing around going, Warriors, come out and play. By the way, you know who that guy was who said that, Kevin Israel?
1: Yes. Ah, uh, Fuck. I can see his face. He and he improved that whole part, um, with the bottles. What the fuck? I'll accept, I it, I'll, I'll,
0: I'll, I will accept his character name from the film that I'm thinking of.
1: Oh, he was a uh, commando. I, uh, what did you do with uh, what did you do with Sully? Sully, Sully, I was gonna say Letty, yeah, <laughs> Letty's Fast and the Furious. You're mixing up your
0: shenanigans <laughs> and franchises, it's so funny. Uh, I have two quotes. The first one, we need to ban post-haste from our lexicon. My name is Inigo Montoyo. You killed my father. That is just the dumbest <laughs> fucking quote. That, you'll, you'll hear some comparisons. Um, I will no longer use the word inconceivable because of, this wor- because of this film. Because of this film. This has ruined that movie. that one. And this one, you'll be unemployed in Greenland. And I thought everyone in Greenland was a hideout for escaped convicts. Who who has a job in Greenland unless you harpoon
2: whales?
1: (laughs) All right. Five fun facts. Five fun facts. Whoa. Five fun
0: facts. Five fun facts. Five fun facts.
1: Five fun facts. Robert Redford, Norman Jewison, John Borman, and Francois Truffaut all tried to get the movie made, but it ran into a series of unfortunate events. One of the versions had an unknown Schwarzenegger play Fezzik. I could actually see that. That I, I could believe that. Although I think Andre the Giant was much more physically imposing. Next, went out. Went out to dinner. Andre the Giant would get a little tipsy on three bottles of cognac and 12 bottles of wine. He ordered four appetizers and five entrees while also ordering a 40-ounce beer pitcher filled with a mix of liquors called The American. And he was French, by the way. Yes. Goddamn. Andre the Giant was a gift.
0: Do you remember the, the funniest Andre the Giant story ever is when he was in Tokyo and he couldn't fit into the bathroom? So, And Hulk Hogan wrote about this in this book. He took two towels and squatted on a bed and shit in towels on the bed because, again, he couldn't fit into the bathroom in Japan.
1: Andre the Giant shit must be very impressive shit. The size of
0: of a rhinoceros
1: horn. (laughs) (laughs) Wallace Shawn has a history degree from Harvard and studied philosophy and economics at Oxford. During a day off, he gave a guest, guest lecture at Oxford on British and American literature. That Wallace Shawn, well-read guy. That's not his Mm. Christian name. That's not his real last name. Stop it. (laughs) Uh, This is an interesting one. Danny DeVito was originally slated to play Vizzini. Completely by that. Vizzini. Kevin, you grew up in in Jersey.
0: We all grew up in Jersey. You should know Italians by now.
1: (laughs) Yeah, That's true. I'm sorry. I'm definitely getting (laughs) kicked out of Jersey after this. (laughs) It's funny. I could have seen I could see Danny DeVito, but I also could have seen Rick Moranis playing it. Mm, very um, good. Yep. And last, in an alternate ending of the film, Fred Savage was going to the window after his grandfather left to see Fezzik, Anigo Wesley, and Buttercup on their white horses. That ending would, wouldn't, would have evoked audiences across the yelling. That ending would have evoked audiences across the country yelling, boo,
0: in the theater. That's where my notes began, and Kevin Kevin didn't pick that up.
2: Nice.
0: (laughs) Oh, shit. I'll do Ask a Gutter, because I have it it pulled up. And now we move
1: on to our favorite section, (laughs) Ask a Gutter.
0: Ask a Gutter. Ask a Gutter. Ask a Gutter. Ask a Gutter. Kevin, uh, sorry, Jeff Hillman asks, Kevin, what men, Robin Hood men in tights tricks Rex from Toy Story into drinking poison? What drink slash liquor would someone die from if they tried to out, out drink you, i.e. Gino Bisconti's Jamo, Jameson consumption would kill most adults? and his st- and his stand up uh no i'm just kidding i love gino i would say um it's gonna sound like a bitch answer but this is the one thing this is the drink i drink in vegas all the time because i can last the longest without repercussions and that is vodka i can drink vodka all day i've only started drinking bourbon and gin recently so i could not outlast anyone doing that beer is the too easy of the answer the answer is vodka george newman asks, do you think peter falk beat the shit out of Fred Savage for being a little asshole at the beginning of the movie when the camera was off. One can only hope so, but hopefully not to the point where he was so badly disfigured. He could not make cinematic gems like vice versa or the wizard. Thank you. (laughs) Eric Lehman says I'm in that group age group. I'm supposed to love the princess bride and I think it's just okay. Mind you, I love eighties movies and not liking 300. What are you not human? Uh, That was a two for one in that one. And I forgot to read some of these for our other episode, Kevin, so I apologize that I did not get to those <laughs> other ones. That's on the Facebook group. On the Twitter group, Brandon Oglesby asks for Kevin Goatee, what's the bigger movie gimmick? Zorro slashing a Z into clothes or Nego Montoya seeing you killed my father? Uh, Brandon, this is easy. Many, 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 many films parodied and replicated. Zorro slashing a Z or some other letter or some other insignia into other clothing. By far and away, Zorro, because I wish a nigga Montoyo and his dead father would stay dead. The uh, next one would be, oh, Matt Dawson at Hopper 2400. I have no questions. I only want to thank Kevin Goatee for his public service he'll be doing tonight. You're welcome. Lord snurts asks, KG, regardless of your hate for the Princess Bride, you have to admit the kid's bedroom in the 80s was rad. Am I right? Or has your inner child been suffocated to the point of no return? Uh, God damn it. You know damn good and well I love 80s toys and cartoons. Did you not hear me wax so wax poetic so in the big episode? Yes, I will talk about the bedroom. One of the only few positive aspects of this mindless fart cloud. Ray Sicanis at Almighty Ray, Princess Bride. The only argument could be that jokes don't hold up, but if that was a concern, then you'd stop holding that overrated turn caddy turd caddyshack in such constant high esteem. Ray, cash me outside, motherfucker. <laughs> Uh, Ken Bourne-Turner, one question. Kevin Goatee, who hurt you when you are a kid? Hey, Ken, you hurt yourself when you let the snooze-fest storyline and two shitty quotes make you think this is a good film. And I think the most important question of the day, at Nemirovsky, if Count Rugen did the shocker, three in the pink and one in the stink, or two in the pink and two in the stink, that's a question worth asking. And after much advisement, I think you got to split up, go two-two a nice even hand because he had six fingers don't don't want to triple up unless it's requested upon you joanne thoughts on the multiple multiple fingered multiple phalanged shocker
2: you know how sometimes it's hard to put one finger down and keep the others up Mm -hmm. so i feel like you might have to do two and two because it would just be easier for that middle finger (laughs)
0: So 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 magnanimous of jo- 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 Joanne, so that not to get cerebral palsy while fingering a woman—that's very smart.
2: Yes.
0: <laughs> Do you, up you up have an extra pinky nervous. or an extra thumb? I
2: think it was I, an extra pinky.
0: Yeah, it was, it it was a pinky. I remember just seeing the glove, so I don't re- quite recall what it was because I'm trying to just jettison this from everyone's psyche. Thank you.
1: I don't Those. Know. That's all we have for Ask a Gutter. There you have it. Well. Now that we've gotten through all of that, poor shit, (laughs) Kevin Goatee is its palpable, the anger that's just emitting from him over this movie. He picked this movie like two days after we did our last guttings. He was so excited about doing this, and he's been preparing all year. So, Joanne, please join me and allow Kevin to do what he came here to do, and that is Gut the Sacred...
0: Sorry. How is it, Joanne? That's just so cute that both you and your live co host, Bill Schultz, both fucked that up royally, (laughs) not even an hour and a half ago. Yet you two, by far and away, have the most appearances logged on this show.
1: (laughs) Jesus Christ. Cute. I forgot.
0: I present to the jury the following This is such an open and shut case. Much like a woman's legs for Bill Schultz's sexual advances. That's,
2: yeah. how,
0: that's how you ingratiate yourself to the judges, Kevin. An easy joke for Joanne. Uh, I completely forgot that Fred Savage this. It was in this film. I bet he wishes he could, too. I know a lot of grandfathers, and I never knew any of them, while going to their grandson's house, dressing like they're a newspaper man back in 1935. He's way too overdressed to hang out to read a goddamn bedtime story first of all fashion faux pas number one is carrie elwes the brad pitt that never was Mm -hmm. it's fair there is no chance and i repeat no fucking chance that vizini is giving orders without montoya or fezik to tell him to shut the fuck up and then giving that little midget a massive wedgie none Andre the Giant's acting is as bad as Hulk Hogan's is in the movie No Holds Barred. Robin Wright looks much, much better now than she did as Princess Buttercup, even when she got got Hep C and Forrest Gump, and remarkably unfazed after having Sean Penn's penis inside of her when he was inside of Haiti. Wallace, Sean, and Clint Howard are the same people. Convince me otherwise. Go. Think about it, Joanne. Oh, that look of bemusement on my fair face. I won already.
2: Uh, yeah, I'm, I, I can't prove you wrong. So thank there you, you
0: go. 12 minutes in and I'm already sick of the word inconceivable. And so should you. Vizzini has the charm of a casting agent, Harvey Weinstein and the farmer bro. <laughs> Man, thank you. Mandy Patinkin looks like Antonio Banderas if he was born with fetal alcohol syndrome.
2: Oh, he's a legend.
0: Yeah. Where?
2: (laughs) In in Broadway. I know.
0: I'm I'm teasing. I know. I know. But not this film. Mandy Mandy Patinkin is as much Spaniard as Sean Connery was in Highlander. The Inigo Montoya line is easily one of the hackiest movie quotes this medium has ever heard. And God damn it, we're going to put a stop to this because I'm tired of going to meetings and seeing people with the hello, my name is. And some asshole writing Inigo Montoya, you killed my father. Fuck. I've never you. seen that. Oh, you work in hacky corporate America, Kevin. I'm very surprised you haven't seen this as well. I've never seen that. And I yell at them and I belittle that person to make them feel dumb and small minded like they are. There's no disguising the blatant attempt to make Carrie Elway's look and feel like Errol Flynn, except for the statutory rape cases. That's the only difference. Factual. Andre the Giant sounds like every deaf person I've
1: ever met. do you know when i was a kid i thought he was deaf yeah me too that's why i wrote that (laughs) why do some
0: superheroes like wesley by the way spells his name in the fruitiest of manners w-e-s-t-l-e it's like nestle yeah but they didn't make candy that made us all happy this movie made me fucking angry big difference why do some super superheroes like wesley and robin as in batman and robin wear the mask that just covers their eyes it does nothing to cover any part of their face which could make one easily recognizable as well as zorro to a degree i'm very proud of this one if hulk hogan Took more than two tries to body slam Andre the Giant in WrestleMania 3. What makes you think that Gary Elways can just jump on his back and choke him out? That doesn't happen.
1: I don't know, but I saw WrestleMania 3. So did I. That was probably the most excited I'd been up to my life at that point.
0: Well, we agree. No chance of me throwing myself down to chase after my wife. I'm sorry. I don't care if there's been an absence or not. I'm just not going to frolically, gaily down a hill. At best, I would just slide down on my ass if I was chasing a singled out version of Jenny McCarthy circa 1992. Hmm. I remember, did you notice, I know know you did, Kevin Israel, that Fred Savage had all the members from the horde from He-Man behind his his bed. That story didn't cut it on He-Man, so they just kicked it on down the road to She-Ra, the JV squad of the He-Man universe. You also had Captain America. I didn't see that. Good eye. We just talked about falling into sand in our Lawrence of Arabia episode. You just don't sink (laughs) into dry sand unless... There's a big hole underneath where you fall 20 feet. That doesn't happen. The water, there needs to be moisture for the sand to take and suck you in as you make movements. This story drags. It drags so hard. And we've seen this story a million fucking times. Disney did it a lot. And you know what? They did it better. Little Mermaid, Sleeping Beauty, Aladdin. The princess has to marry royalty, but instead she wants to marry a commoner except in the movie Notting Hill, where Hugh Grant wants to marry a famous horse named Julia Roberts.
2: Oh, no! Zing! Yeah. <laughs> That's
0: why I like Joanne. Joanne <laughs> said her na- her vagina was nicknamed by an old boyfriend. Maybe another boyfriend gave it another nickname,
1: the Pit of Despair. <laughs> was it Pocahontas? Yeah. Was that the name? Yeah. <laughs>
2: Um, well, no, for, for Halloween, I was Pocahontas. ass. Did I ever tell you
0: that? No, but you and every other girl looking for dick on Halloween <laughs> has done that in the city at one point or another. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And some guy said to
1: you, I'm looking a hot ass.
0: What was the guy's name in the real John? What? Well, John Smith. Was that the guy who married Pocahontas? Yeah. It was John. So- okay. I thought that was, I thought that was a kiss. Carrie Elwes is a vanilla at best. As a swashbuckler. Every other swashbuckler film has had character. Errol Flynn, Douglas Fairbanks, and even afterward, Johnny Depp as a lovable Jack Sparrow. But for one film, those sequels are trash. In storybook travels, we've seen them all a million times. What are the most important things? Character, characters, excuse me, and venue. The giant rat is the highlight (laughs) of this fucking dog shit. This is like... This is the Fraggle Rock reject puppet that made its way into this fucking film. This is the Dark Crystal. Excuse me. I'll go more a little uh, meta with you in the 80s cuts. Uh, the far, the, that is the highlight villain. Because the main villain, Susan Sarandon's first husband. Did you know that? True story. No. Susan Sarandon. That's how she, Chris Sarandon is the villain in this film. Her second one was Tim Robbins. Rand and Susan Sarandon in an elevator not too long ago. Very attractive. Uh, very fetching. The forest, the pit of despair. Who gives a shit? There's nothing that stands out. I think the pit of despair is me scary. You know what? The pit of carcoon and return of the Jedi, 25 times scarier than the pit of despair. And who's in the pit of despair? The albino. Oh, what a way. And I like Mel Smith. He was in uh, one of my favorite films that no one has seen, and that's Brain Donors, as well as National Lampoon's European Vacation. A shitty film, but yeah. he was at least memorable in that as well. What other characters in this are terrible? Let's talk about Princess Buttercup. Why does he fall in love with her? What characteristics does she show? Is she attractive? I don't think so. She's a eh, fine at best. She's no New York beauty queen. We all know that. Well... as i said robin in her late life great but what characteristics does she give off that he goes i gotta marry her he just follows her around because he sees riches is that it been there done that Again, this is a retread story that's been done better many, many times. This is, she's unremarkable at best. And Billy Crystal's annoying fucking character. Did Mm -hmm. Mel Brooks say, you know what, Billy? I want to get you the Spaceballs. Ah, you made the cutting room floor. And then Rob Ryder brings him in for this film. Like, you know what, Billy? Why don't you do something a little off the cuff? He goes, you know what? I did a little film called Spaceballs, but it didn't make the cut. Let me try this annoying fucking character. That doesn't go anywhere. And by the way, if you read some of the, uh, the research, people were saying they were falling out of their chairs as he was doing this character, even uh, when the camera stopped rolling. Oh, really? Really? Then you people have low bars. Mm-hmm. I was waiting for... This may be a joke a little for Bill, uh, but Joanne, I hope we get this too. I was waiting for Peter Falk to say to Fred Savage, and just one more thing. How long did you peep through Winnie Cooper's window to watch her take a dump?
2: Yeah, I liked The Wonder Years.
1: <laughs> I, was also, I, that was a Columbo that joke. Was a, <laughs> it was
0: a, it was, it was a two-for-one joke. You both got it. Thank you. This is just dumb. The story is boring, and it makes other Fred Savage movies like Vice Versa and Wizard look like Shawshank Redemption and Pulp Fiction. This movie has the feel of a lazy Mel Brooks film. Billy Crystal's character, forget to mention this, it looks like an older ape that was con- like a, a second draft of an older ape from the 1960s, Planet of the Apes. People like say, "Oh, what about Fred Savage and his grandfather? What a great relationship!" What? Where was their relationship? He's reading a story for Christ's sakes. There's no ties. There's no comparison. There's no, when I was your age, you know what film, they read a story to the, 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 the father and it, and there's emotion, big fish. Watch that. That's how it's done right. That shit still makes me tear up. This film, quite the opposite. This film falls right into never ending story, nostalgia territory. People are going to defend this, but I'm finding zero redeemable reasons. Uh, by the way, I laughed harder war- watching Wallace and Gromit, those two unfunny Brit fucks, than I have watching this film. People say there are jokes. Where are the jokes? I implore you. You come at us in the comments, however you want to. Where are the jokes? Outline them because there ain't any in there. Did he say he had a Holocaust coat cloak? That... <laughs> I want to make yeah. sure I, I want to make sure I heard that right because that's the worst item hanging in Magneto's closet. <laughs> All those poor people back in the '80s who didn't have Google Translate to help them understand what the hell Andre the Giant was saying. Those poor souls. Andre, try speaking and spell. That may help you articulate better. But this speaking spell couldn't articulate better. That's true. <laughs> I don't know what you sound like after three bottles of cognac and eighteen bottles of wine. This film falls smack dab in the middle of a Christmas story in the sense of a little little studio called TBS or TNT said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to get the rights for this shit cheap as well as Channel 11. And we're just going to air this on a constant fucking loop and make anyone in our age group, Kevin Israel, watch this over and over and over and over until Stockholm Syndrome sits in and goes, you know what? I kind of like that. No, you didn't. Montoya in, Inigo Montoyo, just, Montoya just repeated his mundane catchphrase. People like him because he repeated a joke that didn't work 25 times. It's been done in another film called Napoleon Dynamite. What another classic piece of shit that is. Andre the Giant sounded like Nell from the movie Nell with Jodie Foster, and he brought nothing to the table. Nothing. You would think a WWF wrestler in the height of his popularity would come in And he does nothing for what he's known to do. You didn't have Hulk Hogan come in Rocky three and teach Rocky's kid, the laws of thermodynamics. Did you? And then there is Vizzini. The inconceivable. Fuck yourself. He is that annoying cousin that you avoid sitting next to at any kind of family gathering. Glad he died early, thankfully, which leaves Carrie Elwes. And he's just there. He's just there. The other characters dissipate from everyone's memory like a Polaroid of Marty McFly's siblings in Back to the Future. People say they love this film, but you know why they say they love this film? Because of those two garbage quotes repeated ad nauseum. You never hear anybody say, I love the part when, or how cool was it that? Never. There are never any scenes people bring up to this day. As a kid... I didn't get it. I didn't get the love for this. I saw it right in its heyday. Got on VHS. Ah, dated myself, whatever. Um, and as an adult, I still don't get it. As Listen, I don't hate this as much as I hate Christmas Story. I still hate this film stinks. But this film, it stinks badly, but not as bad as Andre the Giant's belly button must stink after a oh. wrench.
1: Oh, Jesus <laughs> Christ.
0: Thank you. I like to draw metaphors this film stinks but not as bad as under the giant's belly button stinks two out of ten this movie is horrible it's overrated it's wrought it's cliche it's been done with nothing unique about it fuck the princess bride
1: (laughs) wow and that's how you got throws it down Hmm. joanne why don't you go first with your thoughts of the 1987 classic
2: all right. Now I was born in 88 <laughs> uh, and I remember this vividly from being one year old. Uh, no, I actually saw this movie for the first time, I think in my twenties, I really, for whatever reason, just never saw it when I was younger. And I remembered really liking it the first time. I remember being really surprised with like two moments, the poison, I thought it was so cool and so smart that moment where he poisoned both of them. And he's like, I've been building up my tolerance. I was like, wow, I didn't see that coming. And then when the man in black just reveals himself to be Wesley, I was like, I had no idea. I really didn't. And maybe I was dumb. I think I was dumb.
1: You were in your twenties. I think so. (laughs) Oh man. You must've been fun at a bar.
2: I was also blonde then. Uh, <laughs>
1: that's a writer. And, a vet. Good that's enough. A, that's a writer <laughs> university
0: education at its finest, Kevin.
2: Thank you. So I didn't, there isn't nostalgia attached to this for me. So then when I watch it again and you know what's happening, it's literally like, what's the point?
0: Let me, let me interrupt you for one second. This is why I had you sit in instead of Schultz, because I know Schultz probably would have defended this to the hilt. As a millennial, you don't have that nostalgic attachment. Like yeah. a Schultz would. That's why I had you sit on this one, not him.
2: Yeah. So it's not that for me. I um, appreciated sort of the storytelling. But like you said, it has its stories we've heard before, we know it before. Um, I think the best part of this film is the casting. I hate to admit this, but I was talking to my boyfriend tonight about doing this the hosting the scudding. And he said, Oh yeah, and Robin Wright. I did not know that was Robin Wright as buttercup. I had no idea. You know how there's some actors that you only know them as older? That's mm-hmm. the case with her. I just, for whatever reason, I never they were two different actresses in my mind. So that was nuts to me. But she's great, obviously Mandy Patinkin Andre the Giant, Um, Christopher Guest is in this film. And unfortunately they, they didn't use him the way they should have. Christopher Guest is so funny. They could have done so much more with him, which is unfortunate because I love him so much. Obviously you have Fred Savage. They have like a pretty big cast in this. and, And I do think that I enjoyed most of their performances for the most part. Um. Also, as Kevin said, it is kind of long. It drags. I liked the first half better than the second half. As soon as they took him away to that pit of despair, it was almost like, okay, we're done. But we weren't, we weren't not even close. Um, I have some issues with Buttercup. First of all, it's the name of a horse and not a person. (laughs) (laughs) Why is that so strange? That's the name of a horse. It's, I feel like I've met a horse named Buttercup, uh, So that's strange to me. Also, she's the worst human being ever. Like you said, why is Wesley in love with her? I don't know. But also, she does zero work. I guess they showed us that at the beginning. She keeps asking him for shit. But she does nothing. He's getting mauled by big rodents. She just stands there. Uh, The king comes, and she's like, take him. Just take him away. Don't hurt him. But I'll marry you still. Fine. Fine. And then she just expects him to know her wedding day and come save her. So just bad moves all around on her part. Um, Humperdink looks a lot like the king from Shrek. Has anyone else noticed that? Like the cartoon character? Very good. Must have been like modeled on him. Um, I hate Wesley's mustache. <laughs> yes. Um, it looks like they purposely pulled out bits of it to make it super sparse. It's like worse than dol Schultz's facial hair. <laughs> yeah. worse. Bill just
1: fell down somewhere. <clears throat>
2: That's
1: because he's drunk.
2: <laughs> oh. Just like Andre the Giant. But small. <laughs> Um, and he goes, scars looked so stupid. I, when he pointed at them, I'm like, what am I looking at? This looks like you just got some schmatz on your face. and You, <laughs> you can wipe that Mutz. off. And, um, but it is actually so with Andre the Giant, another thing my boyfriend told me, which I didn't realize, is that apparently during the filming of this, he was in so much pain mm-hmm. because of whatever disorder he had that made him huge so like there's a moment where he's carrying buttercup but she's actually like on strings like because he really couldn't even hold her um so then watching it when they're kind of berating him for not literally pulling his weight you watch it back and you're like oh god this is kind of sad now knowing that um but and then the last thing that cough at the beginning was triggering i wish there was a trigger warning Because Fred Savage being sick and then his grandpa coming into the room, I'm sure he's dead now if it were in COVID times.
1: (laughs) Way to bring it back. Tie it back with a bow.
2: Yeah, that's about it. Um, Should I give my score of it? Please. Yes. You know what, though? You're going to hate me for this, Kevin, but I think I would give it a seven. Seven!
1: Wow. Why? What about <laughs> wow. it? Please explain. I did not see a seven coming. Not at our No, I would guess the five. five I yeah. guess the five. Yeah.
2: Explain, and I'll do it in your terms, Kevin. It's. I thought of the remote test. I did. If it's on TV, am I gonna am I gonna watch it or tr- change the channel? I would watch it, but it's while I'm doing other work. It's ah. a background movie, mm. so. It's a good background movie because I don't really need to pay attention, but I wouldn't really be paying attention. They have it.
1: All right. Seven. Seven. So, look, the two of you said pretty much everything I was going to say about this, about this fine movie. I will give my own personal experience with it. So it came out, uh, as with Kevin Goatee, it came out with uh, when I was 11. I didn't see it in the theater, and I don't remember seeing it when I was little, little. Uh, I think I didn't see it till high school, and I was a big geek in high school, as I often talk about, and my friends and I played Dungeons and Dragons. So this movie, like, fell right in our wheelhouse of, like, oh, this is so funny, and it's kind of self-aware, and like, you know, this and uh, Search for the Holy Grail, like, where the, you know, are our, our two movies that we're always on. So when Kev said he was doing this, I got, I got excited because I remember loving this movie and I I, could, I remember the entire movie. It's not even one of those movies where was like, oh, I remember really liking that, but I don't remember much about it. I remember this entire movie like I could have acted the entire the entire movie out. So I was actually looking forward to watching it because I remember enjoying it. And then I realized I haven't seen this movie in probably 20 years, which that fact alone doesn't bode well for a movie that you remember loving. Like any movie that I actually loved and was good, I've probably seen in more than two decades. But... So my, and my wife and I sat down and watched it. And my wife was also like, I, you know, I don't know why Kev's doing this. I, I, you know, I remember really liking this movie. So we uh, sat down uh, and watched uh, it. Uh, we uh, sat down uh. and watched it and, uh, And I do have to tell you, I've always looked at this movie, like I said, that this was a self-aware movie, that none of this was supposed to be taken, like, not even that it was almost a comedy, more like it was a spoof, almost like a, like a, like a Naked Gun type movie, where it was Mm -hmm. making fun of all those other, not as good as Naked Gun, but the genre, where it was making fun of all these other movies that came before it and obviously did it better. And it was satire rather than, you know, slapstick comedy or, or a serious, you know, fantasy type movie but the problem is that the movie does drag for me that's the biggest problem with the movie i do like the characters i think the characters are all really stereotypically ridiculous they're all obviously intended to be one-dimensional and serve their one purpose in the movie uh you know princess buttercup is supposed to be the vapid Just she's just a girl. She's the girl that he's going after. And that's really all that matters. There's you're not supposed to know anything about her. You're not supposed to be able. It's not even clear. Was she royalty when she started out? They why were they living in this farmhouse together? It doesn't matter. She's the girl in the movie. And he's the guy, the good looking guy who's good looking enough. And he's going to go. And then, you know, you meet the band of heroes who are going to join in the big strong guy the the good warrior and then you know the the the, and there there's the bad guy the, the the king or the prince is the bad guy and they're all just fit their little slots which is fine and is enjoyable on paper but the movie really drags and i don't remember it dragging so much there the scene there are certain scenes that i do enjoy i still do i really do like the scene with uh the the poison scene like joanne said now i wasn't fooled by the poison scene and i didn't at any point think wow that was brilliant writing but i I think it's a a fun i think it's a i hope i hope you've never like left your drink at a bar joanne because (laughs) i didn't see this one coming
2: (laughs) i asked my stranger next to me who's been touching my ass all night
1: excuse me sir with a sheen of sweat on your face could you hold my drink why is it I bubbling? You, why is it bubbling? <laughs> why is this tablet floating in it? I'm sure it's fine. Uh, but I think I think that scene is funny because it's obviously over the top and ridiculous. And then the uh, I do think the scene in the 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 pit of despair with the with whatever that machine was was really funny. I thought it was I thought it was really funny when he said uh, the machine sucks that it just sucked one life. One year of your life out of you. And, and there, it was such an obvious joke to make because I immediately looked at my wife and I said, I dated girls who did that. <laughs> and I, I don't know why they didn't make that joke in the movie. It's such an obvious, stupid joke, but. So there were, there were scenes that, that, that piece together that not piece together, but there are scenes individually, almost like an SNL sketch that you're like, Oh yeah, that's, that's kind of funny. And that's good. That's good. But the movie itself drags. And you're right, Joanne. The first half of the movie is much better than the second half of the movie. The second half of the movie, when it gets into the rescue portion and he's kind of paralyzed. And then they didn't do much with him being paralyzed. I thought there would have been a lot of funny, like visual comedy that they could have done with him being paralyzed almost like a Weekend of Bernie's type move. And they didn't do really anything with it. And, and for some reason, at the end, when they're trying to figure out, you know, could he really move or not? And he suddenly stands up and is able to fight. Again, it would have been funnier if he couldn't and he fell over and one of the other guys had to come in and save him or something. But there were a lot of opportunities for it to be more funny. And I don't think they, they took advantage of it because I don't know that they were going for this to be really that funny of a movie. I think, again, it was just supposed to be a, a satirical take on these kind of fairy tale adventure type movies, which it is, but it's a really slow take on it. And I don't know if that's just because movies have gotten, the pacing of movies have gotten faster over the years, or if this is just, it's just not a good movie. But in summation, the movie definitely lost a few steps for me. I didn't hate watching it. I don't hate the movie nearly as much as Kev does, but it's definitely not as good as I remember it. It's not a seven, I can tell you that. This movie isn't a seven. A seven is a, a seven is a, is a good movie, like a movie that I would watch a lot. This is a, this is, this is okay for me. And I'll say this and I'll give Kevin credit. Uh, I was given to give it a five, but his arguments uh, su- swayed me and I will give it a four now uh, because I'm never, I'm never going to watch this movie. Maybe when I have a kid, I'll, I'll, I'll watch it if they, if they want to, but this isn't a movie that I, I, I enjoyed nearly as much. And I think because I liked it so much when I was younger on rewatch, realizing that it was almost like the wool was pulled over my eyes. Uh, It it frustrates me even more. So yeah. So this one, uh, it's, it's a four. Well done, Kev. Thank you. And instead of making your kid watch
0: this, just put on Star Wars or Empire instead. and go. Here's a better use oh, of an hour and 45. Oh, trust me. They'll,
1: they'll see that. That's <laughs> that. All right. We're going to move on to the people who know movies better than us because we're just two silly guys with a podcast. And these are professional reviewers. Critics, five-star reviews. Five-star
0: reviews. Five-star reviews by critics.
1: As the picture picture practically spoofs the endeavors of Douglas Fairbanks and Arrow Flynn, it's also competent enough to craft its own identity as a swashbuckling thriller. That guy completely disagreed with everything Kevin just said. I know. It is, in short, cinema that makes cinema great. This great cinema is on pace with Police Academy 5, (laughs) Assignment Miami Beach. You know, the first one without Mahoney. I love when you read my notes. I love. I love when you read my notes and don't know you're reading my oh. notes. <laughs> yeah.
0: It should be in italics or something. But I forgot that you're reading that, so I just yeah. It's great. <laughs> I like, that, that took a real turn. <laughs> you're like that. You're like uh, and Anchorman.
1: Like, don't put on the teleprompter. <laughs> he you reads, reads everything. everything. <laughs> oh fuck yourself, San Diego. <laughs> So the whole cr- the whole review was just it is in short cinema that makes cinema great. Yes. That was the whole review. That's yep. ridiculous. Yep. <laughs> Show enough. Everything about the Princess Bride is charming. By far, the film's dialogue is the most enduring legacy.
2: Enduring. By far, the
1: dialogue. <laughs> By far, the dialogue is more annoying than a drunk accountant trying to repeat any of Chris Rock's stand up specials and passing them off as his own. I pay for my kids. You're supposed to. Yeah.
2: That was Kevin, right? Yes. Great. Right.
1: You got me, Joanne. <laughs> A unqualified success that blends New York wit with timeless storytelling. A risky piece of filmmaking that never feels so. Wow. Risky.
0: Where are the risks? There aren't any risk. There's no risk. There's no payoff.
1: Where are the risks? Stop it, you fucking blowhard. <laughs> Critics One Star Reviews.
0: Critics One Star Reviews. Critics One Star Reviews. <laughs>
1: Based on William Goldman's novel, this is a postmodern fairy tale that challenges and affirms the con- conventions of a genre that may not be flexible enough to support such horseplay. What does that mean? Nothing.
0: And I want to be on that guy's side, and he still made no sense. (laughs) Except for the word horseplay always gets a smile out of me. Let's hear from the people. Amazon, five-star reviews. Hold on one second. By the way, on Rotten Tomatoes, those are the only two one-star reviews they had from the critics. Really? Yes. Because I always do about four or five each, and there are only two on Rotten Tomatoes. So,
1: Amazon, five-star reviews.
0: Five-star
1: reviews. On five star reviews. I consider my taste in movies to be somewhat enlightened and refined. And having watched as many and varied movies as I have, I've not seen a movie that has so much charm. It doesn't tackle the big questions in life. It doesn't challenge you in any way. But it's a movie, but it's a movie or every person, for every person, for every mood, with a little of everything in it, without it feeling manufactured or Disney-esque. It's it's like a hand-knitted sweater made for you by a cherished fa- friend or family member, as opposed to one off the rack. It makes me smile thinking of how many takes were ruined by Rob Reiner because he couldn't stop laughing. Because that means it was made with a lot of passion.
0: The what first a bunch the, of shit. The first sentence. I already know. I would open palm, slap that person in the face <laughs> with the. I consider my movie reviews re- to be refined. I would slap that person. Or
1: woman in the face openly, despite being in software, around 10,000 uber geeks who quote this movie, along with anything by Monty Python, Lewis Carroll, Douglas Adams, and inexplicably Roger and Hamilstein, no accounting for group taste. My significant other knew nothing about this, so knew but nothing about this. So, movie night it was. I expected us to have a few drinks with good sushi and just watch. Um, nope. Despite her not knowing the movie, she knew much that, it, that she knew much that was in it. She had the zeitgeist, just not. the. <laughs> ah! <laughs> what did you word search zeitgeist? <laughs> no, it, I tell you,
0: I copy and paste. and, I, soon, and it, Joanne, just a little helpful hint. Anytime <laughs> when I do the research for this and I see the word zeitgeist, that automatically makes the cut because that is Kevin's trigger word and it sends him to a fucking wolverine adamantium (laughs) berserker barrage rage it's like
1: like moist for most other people Yeah, for for women yeah (laughs) (laughs) she had the zeitgeist just not the title or the full plot and this particular significant other because i've had so many because i'm the kind of guy that leaves long reviews on amazon I've only got one. Doesn't, don't read too much into that. But my coworkers have some really geek, hip, nerdacious, significant others, while mine can pontificate about the differences between Louis Vuitton, Christian Louboutin, Her- Hermes, and Gucci at great Hermes, length. Hermes, Hermes, whatever.
2: What do fashion designers have to do with movies?
1: He's well, trying to prove that his girl is a real girl where his nerd buddies oh, have nerd.
2: Yeah. It's too real. <laughs> yeah.
1: She 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 likes pretty things, and this particular significant other has like zero Greek cred, zero geek cred. Although you probably got that from the above paragraph, she was delighted to know so many bits and be able to place them in context. I don't, I don't, I don't know what. I don't know. I don't sounds, know. Sounds sounds like she needs a green card.
2: Uh-huh. <laughs>
1: Boy, what do you call a great movie that breaks all the conventional rules of entertainment? A classic. My family can almost re- can almost recite the entire movie and our dinner time talk is generally peppered with movie quotes. If I said, "Now stop that, I mean it," the instant chorus would be, "Anybody want a peanut?" Buy this movie and enjoy it for its sheer comedic genius and good humor. Then you will understand why so many people fill out their name badges at workshops and conferences with Hello, my name is Aniga Montoya. And in our business, we call these people savage how? <laughs> savage hacks. Yeah. And in, this, in our business, we do call these people savage hacks. Amazon One Star Reviews.
0: Amazon One Star Reviews. It's time for
1: Amazon One Star Reviews. One star, one star reviews. I watched this. I first watched this film when I was about 14. I didn't like it and I struggled to finish it, but my friend's mom rented it just for us. I thought I might not have just, un, I, must, I just might not have understood it. So many people have mentioned it to me over the last 10 years. Well, I still hate it. I don't mind cheesy acting, cheesy sets, low quality cinematography, and so on. If other elements exceed standards, however, nothing is above mediocre. The comedy is baseline. A 10-year-old could write better jokes. The set is cheap and tacky. I know it's an older movie, but you can totally tell the rocks are plastic. You can see the ground bouncing when they fall and so on. The plot is predictable. The acting is awful. I truly don't see one good thing about this movie. Several have related, have related to Monty Python, but I actually really like that movie. It's, Monty Python isn't a movie. It's a group. He it's means series Search for the Holy Grail. It, it's kind of cheesy, but the jokes are good. This was not This was not that giving, however.
0: Do you see do you see what I go through every week when I read these assholes? Because I cut and paste. I don't edit because yeah,
1: this is, don't know how to do punctuation. This is this, this that, that was that was brutal. Um next, thought Ella Enchanted was a bad movie. In comparison to this movie, Ella Enchanted was a five star movie. On a scale of hundred, with hundred being the best, this movie rates at negative one thousand. Nothing about it is good. The 24,000 plus ratings that showed anything higher than one stars have to be fictitious. It would take me a year to explain and highlight everything bad about it. The story is terrible and disjointed. The direction ridiculous. The actors had to work hard to be this bad. The special effects are unspeakable. The men in the rodent costumes are laughable. And I don't mean funny. It is so bad that one cannot even laugh at anything in the movie. To avoid harming anyone, I refuse to even give this give it away. I dumped it in the garbage. Buy at your own risk and remember that everything I write here is true. It only took 110 plus episodes for someone to finally work in the Ellen Enchanted reference. Oh. I love this. I love you reading. Oh, wait. Oh, shit. That's his line. It's like walking through a minefield. Yeah.
2: Wait, but Kevin, speaking of punctuation, are, do you not use any when you type your own notes? You don't no, like he, no. There, there is
1: the next line. No, it's is just written you. like a paragraph. It's just written like the whole thing is written with the review oh. and then his notes in because he knows to where the his bottom. notes are.
2: Yeah.
1: Fair. Next review. This is in 4K UHD. I have an Acer Predator XB3 4K gaming monitor. I have a Samsung 4K TV as well. As soon as I purchase it, said this video is not supported by your device. Amazon, I want a discount or I'm filing a complaint with the Federal Trade Commission. <laughs> Signed, Courtney Kardashian.
2: Nice.
1: I couldn't watch more than 15 minutes of this before I stopped watching it. The dialogue is terrible and unimaginative. The way it's written is terribly boring. I can't understand why it's so popular at the t- I can't understand why it was so po- popular at the time. I understand that people have fond memories watching this movie growing up but I saw it for the first time now and I thought it was so cruel. The torture scenes and sexist. The princess plays dumb and helpless. Maybe it had its time, but now is time for a makeover, I think. Sign, <laughs> Sign Jean-Claude Van Damme.
2: <laughs>
1: and the last one. You're better off saving your money for a cheap shotgun to blow your own head off after funneling carbon monoxide from your car into their office. That guy's speaking my language. <laughs> Joanne, did Kevin Goatee gut this most sacred of cows?
2: Even though I do like this film, I do think that you gutted this sacred cow. You did. You you hit a lot of good points.
1: Thank you. Or really
2: bad points, yeah.
1: (laughs) I concur, Joanne. I think you did a marvelous job well-pointed arguments you really took your time with this one and the visceral hate came through and isn't that really what this show is all about this yes. show is yeah. <laughs> so this was another awesome episode joanne thank you for being a wonderful co-host uh you did a much better job than your co-host <laughs> who still seems a little bit confused by the concept of this show yeah, he did. although he's been on although he's been on it 18 times i yeah. think uh,
2: yeah it's- doesn't like to really badmouth anything except himself
1: <laughs> and you.
2: <laughs> so one day he'll get it though he'll figure it out.
1: Well, you tried to give us a Spartan history lesson, which was interesting. So that was that was that was, that no. was fun
2: so sorry
1: <laughs> but, but he but he did his
0: credit he goes i finally did what joanne did and that's pick a film i knew you both would hate which was when he finally did superman he goes i knew you guys would hate that <laughs> at least when you goes, goes, joanne picked films
1: that i that she knew you would hate i go well that's good research player. <laughs> yeah joanne where can we find you and what are you doing
2: You can find me Monday through Thursday at compoundmedia.com, 10 to 11 a.m., a video podcast with Bill Schultz called Morning with Bill and Joe. Um, We also have a YouTube channel. You can check out some past clips on there. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Joe Nosichinsky.
1: Excellent. And KG... What are you up to?
0: I'm going to steal your thunder. Hey, if you like this episode, why not do us a little favor and go write us a five-star rating, two or three-sentence review on your podcast platform of choice, as well as subscribing to us on YouTube. That really helps. And, boy, do I love screenshotting all those positive reviews, especially when they call Uh Kevin Israel KT
1: in the reviews. That always puts a smile on my face. I'm now going by KT as an official (laughs) alias. Excellent. And, guys, don't forget about our merch shop where you can get gutting the sacred cow to wear what's better than that t-shirts sweatshirts hats backpacks visors cups cars i don't think they have cars but we're going to get a gutting the sacred cow car because i think that would just be cool go check out the merch shop buy something it's a great time to buy some stuff because it's the holidays and this might come out after the holidays and this will be completely irrelevant but no, if it's not martin luther king day is coming up and hey you should buy something for Martin Luther King Day because that's a real, that's a day of gifts too. We're going to get that started. So guys, you can find me at kevinisrael.com. I'll have more stand up comedy dates coming up soon. And, uh, I'll be posting pictures of my soon to be child on my own social media. And you can tell me how cute they are because how could I make an ugly child? Mm-hmm. Anyway, thanks for checking out gutting the sacred cow guys. Kevin Goatee, once again, fantastic job gutting the sacred cow of the princess bride, Joanne. Thanks for joining us. And to our listeners, we love you. We appreciate you. Spread the good word of gutting the sacred cow and tell a friend. We are out. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals,
0: factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies.